Welcome to a new episode of Product Directions Podcast, 100 Product Strategies. We are your insider access to top product leaders shaping the strategy of the most diverse industries today. I'm your host, Nacho Vassino, and I'll be digging into the real-life situations, problems, and frameworks used for a strategy with product people all around the world in all kinds of products and markets. While there is no recipe for success, listening to others' experiences may give you the edge you need to solve your next strategic challenge. Hello again. I will start with a small disclaimer or spoiler. Today we will speak about strategy in IoT. So I'm super excited. First episode we are doing about this topic. So uh, today we have an expert, Dominic Bushing, who is head of product management at Tado. And he has been working there for many years in the product side, but also comes from a background in the more traditional management consultancy and corporate strategy. So we'll be, if we have time, we can explore that as well. Uh, Dominic, welcome to the show. Hi, Nacho. Glad to be here. Um, maybe to complement these few words uh, of introduction, can you tell us more about yourself, your background, and maybe what's Tado and what's this IoT space you are working with? Uh, yeah, sure. Happy to do that. So um, as you already kindly mentioned, my name is uh, Dominic Bushing. I'm head of product management at uh, Tado. Um, originally, actually, I'm a psychologist, so that is my my very, very early uh, background. That's what I studied. Um, and yeah, so uh, I've been asked a couple of times, how does a psychologist end up in product management? But actually, um, when I arrived in product management or when I discovered product management, then um, I, I remember being super happy to have discovered this because it's actually a pretty great fit. Uh, as a psychologist, what you, what you learn to do is in a very structured um, way, understand how how people tick, if you will, um, how what their needs are, what their motivations are. Uh, you try to predict how they will behave in certain situations. You learn how to set up experiments and very structured ways to assess these things and measure these things. So it's uh, a lot more than just lying on a couch and, and having a good conversation <laughs> with your clinical psychologist. So, and I think for a product manager, many of these things sound familiar. That's what we try to do with uh, with customers, actually, who also happen to be uh, human beings. So, um, but uh, before, between uh, studying psychology and ending up in product management, uh, I, as you as you mentioned, had a career in uh, management consulting, strategy consulting. And also there are various roles uh, that were product related already um, as a pro product owner once, as a product manager, also product strategy in, in different uh, engagements. And then in the end, I, I ended up at, uh, at Tado. Yeah, and I've been with the company of now for a uh, little bit more than four years, heading the product management department here. Um, I can talk a little bit about Tado uh, if you want to. Yes, yes, maybe especially about the product we will probably discuss. So what Tado does. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so Tado is a, a Munich-based company. We um, offer smart energy management solutions um, that help you save energy and uh, energy costs, reduce your energy costs. And our kind of uh, flagship 
product um, is the Smart Tato Smart Thermostat. That's a hardware device. Actually, that's that's how it looks like for people who nice. are watching the, the video. <laughs> um, looks pretty uh, slick, simple, lean. That's our design philosophy. Um, and uh, there's a, a, a smartphone app, also a web app that you can use then to control your heating at home. So what a smart thermostat does is you replace your analog wall thermostat or um, another product that we have is the smart radiator thermostat that replaces the, the knobs that you can rotate uh, that you find on your radiators. And then you control your, your heating um, from everywhere in the world. But not only that, also our smart algorithms then help you um, reduce your energy consumptions, uh, control the heating in a very smart way that saves energy and saves costs on average 22% um, for our customers. And so for you as a, the customer, you can then enjoy the warm comfort of your home without having to worry about your, uh, your consumption. And I think this became increasingly relevant in the in the previous 12 months um, when somebody decided to invade Ukraine and uh, created this massive crisis in the world and also this massive energy crisis. So uh, energy energy costs have skyrocketed for people and we have seen an um, yeah, equivalent demand uh, increase in our products over the last couple of months. Interesting. Uh, by the way, this is fully uh, B2C, right? So fully to consumer. Um, yes, at this point, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we are exploring options, but actually I think, so th for this core product, I would, I would, uh, I would say, yes, uh, it is. Okay. We, we sell through this through various channels, but um, besides this hardware product, we also have a, um, premium subscription that we sell in the in the app store. That's also B2C product, but we also have a B2B uh, SaaS that's called Tado 360. That's a remote boiler monitoring solution. So that uh, that helps um, heating installation companies who have uh, connected their customers, um, let's say gas boiler with a Tado. They can then remotely monitor the performance of this boiler. They see if something breaks down, they, they will know about this before the customer knows. So they can drive out to the customer, bring the right spare parts, have it fixed in uh, in a couple of hours, where typically when your boiler breaks down in the winter, will take you a couple of days until you have a warm home again. Interesting. Good. Good. Okay, perfect. But I think that's a great time to just uh, jump into the nuts and bolts of your uh, strategy creation. So as anticipated, we start uh, by asking, when was the last time you encountered this challenge of creating strategy? Um, this very uh, interesting space, but maybe talking about what was the process, uh, the, the steps or frameworks you use along the way. Mm -hmm. Sure. So Actually, it's not that long ago. Um, uh, we kicked off the last strategy process around yeah, a good year ago, I would say. Pro probably pretty much a year ago. Um, coming out of a uh, organizational uh, transformation where we transformed our product organization from a uh, functional setup where we had like an engineering function, a design function, product management function kind of next to each other, not in silos, people talk to each other, but um, pretty much uh, uh, running independently. 
And we transformed this to a uh, setup of cross-functional product teams, uh, both in the, <clears throat> in the hardware and the software uh, or apps uh, space. And um, that led to also our uh, design and engineering colleagues being much more focused on, uh, on the, the customer and taking a much stronger product perspective uh, than before, before they really were focused on, uh, on some, some systems and tools that uh, they were owning. I'm talking about engineering, right? So some, some particular service that ran on in our backend. And now they suddenly also were owning a product. So more and more people also in the development organization were asking about, hey, where is this going long term? What's, what's our strategy? Uh, I think when, when engineers and designers ask that question, that's, uh, that's, you can congratulate yourself. That's, that's perfect. Yeah, I love that. So that kind of helped kick this off. And I, I have to say, I think there has always been some sort of product strategy at Tado, but not in this kind of formalized uh, form, right? It was not okay. written down, uh, not, not, uh, not in an asset that you could share uh, with people. Just a small uh, interruption. What were the, the cues that, uh, or, or the hints that let you know that there was a strategy there, but it was just not kind of written in the past? <laughs> um, so we are a, our company is still um, uh, still has both their, uh, both its founders on board. So it was uh, it was founded twelve years ago, two thousand eleven. Um, and when you talk to these guys, they have a pretty clear understanding and pretty clear vision where all of this is going, because they have been there from from day one, uh, yeah, when they were the only two people. And if you if you would have asked them. And I did. Then, of course, they said, yeah, sure, there's a strategy. I can explain it to you, right? Okay, great, then please do. Uh, let me write it down. Um, and of course, there is, there's then a lot of understanding and a lot of, of target picture is there. But uh, when, when you really try to, to write it down and then you realize uh, strategy means focus and focus means saying yes to some things, no to other things. Uh, then you realize that uh, it's actually worth putting this on paper because that kind of surfaces the the contradictions uh, sometimes or the the areas where things are a little vague. Yeah. yeah but yeah. just to, to answer your question, long story short, by asking or talking a lot to to these guys and also to our management, it was clear there is some sort of strategic understanding. It's maybe a better term. Perfect. And by the way, just two questions: the how how big is Tado and how old is Tado? Yeah, um, so founded 2011, so we are 12 years old uh, at some point this year, I think. Um, and 200 people, roughly, give or take. Okay, perfect. Good, good. Okay, then yeah. now fast forward again engineers and designers asking <clears throat> what sort of strategy. <laughs> yeah, back from our tangent uh, to the original question. So um, I can talk about the, the format, uh, the structure, framework, and also the, the process a little. So mm -hmm. the um, in terms of the format, the way we formalized um, what was in people's heads um, is uh, the kind of a, a written narrative, which I'm actually a, a big fan of. Not everybody likes to read text, um, but I mean, the, the whole kind of 
it feels like every per, every process at Amazon kind of rests on on this uh, on this mm -hmm. five or six pager, right? So they they do this a lot and quite successfully. And I appreciate that format also for a couple of reasons. And most importantly, I think um, when you write a narrative, you cannot you cannot lie to yourself. Logical flaws are very quickly very apparent, whereas you can hide them in a uh, if you are in a let's say uh, in a PowerPoint presentation with uh, with a nice graph and, and charts and fancy pictures. Yeah, you can hide your your vagueness. Good. So yeah. this is kind of a text that people can read and that they can understand. And say, hey, okay, I understand this. So hmm. that's that's the framework or the format. And the high-level structure of this is something like basically, hey, we have a uh, there's a target picture, the world in five years, how we imagine it. Um, there's mm -hmm. this current situation that we are in right now, and then there is a, a part that tells us how to get there. So first do this, then do this. Got it. Got it. And maybe you said that this is one year ago. So do you have in mind any period of time you were creating this strategy for? Uh, in our case, it's a three-year uh, time period. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And we the idea is that we update this um, once a year, at least. Mm -hmm. Like or at least once a year, have a proper review uh, process for this that okay. we have now also started recently. And then uh, in between, if something dramatically changes, let's say the ownership structure of the company and there's a new company corporate structure, then this will uh, obviously also affect product. And by the way, I mean, you, you mentioned three years of strategy, but do you have some kind of uh, goals tied to this written narrative or some sort of uh, expectation in, in kind of metric impact or anything like that? Um, you, you mean some, some KPIs that kind of measure uh, in how far we achieve this? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so what we do is um, we, we have a pretty clear understanding what our key uh, metrics are that we want to optimize against. I can just give you, name you one, uh, ener uh, like energy savings and energy, energy cost savings. This is um, this is the key value uh, parameter that we think is essential for our customers. Yeah. Okay. While keeping their comfort level uh, constant, but that is harder to yeah. measure. Yeah. Yeah, got it. Makes sense. Um, okay, but I would like to ask then a bit more about the process. So, how did you get to this written narrative? How where do you start? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so. Um, as I say, uh, target picture, and then where do we stand today, and how do we get there? So, start with the target picture. Um, how, what do you think the world will look like in three years? The, I mean, our relevant world, the context that we have yeah. to compete and operate in. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I think uh, different people in the company have different expectations towards that. Um, you have to identify the the main relevant trends. To give you an example, uh, in, in our domain, uh, it's the electrification of heating. So today, everybody's using fossil gas boilers, but now you might have heard uh, more and more people switch to electric heat pumps. Yeah, That significantly changes um, the, the, the energy landscape and also our business model. Yeah, And so you can 
think about, okay, how fast is this transition going? Do we believe this is actually happening? Based on this trend, how will the situation look like uh, the competitive playing field in, in three years? And of course, not all of that is uh, has to be answered by your product strategy. A lot of that is actually um, uh, defined in the in the company strategy. And luckily, we we have a also pretty crisp company strategy. And that's okay. that's a good starting point, right? To because in the end, product strategy needs to deliver into the uh, the company strategy. Yeah. So we i need to answer the question um what products do we have to build in the next three years to deliver on that that company strategy and for that i need to answer okay what customer problems do we have to solve in the next three years by these problem uh, by these with these products yeah and maybe uh, two questions related to that the first one is what are the sources of information for this sort of kind of trends and, and or how do you come up with the trends basically have a, where, where, where do you go look them um and the second one and maybe related to what you're saying this corporate versus product strategy is i assume that in this uh, very particular space the technology trends may be important so what's what's not possible with the advancements in the technology yes yeah absolutely both really good questions so um <clears throat> What sources of information do we draw on? Um, so there are, uh, I mean, first of all, we, we do a lot of our own research. So we have a quite sizable customer base already. So we have um, uh, more than 3 million uh, smart thermostats in, in the field that we are operating that talk to our server every day. We, if we look at how, how they behave over the last two or three years, there are certain trends that we can already see. Trends, for example, also how the different heating setup types in different countries in Europe, for example, how they evolve over time. And there are clear trends that you can uh, gain from that. That's that's one thing. Um, but <clears throat> of course, we, we read market reports. I expect every product manager in my team to be um, yeah, on, on top of uh, the the latest statistics and trends that you uh, that you can just find out about through through market research. There's one particular research agency that we draw rely heavily on. Um, it almost appears like they exist to produce just information that is relevant for us. <laughs> so it's, that's really great. Um, yeah, but that that's an important source. Yeah. And do you collect this, uh, this, because I mean, you mentioned one that seems to be kind of super, super heavy and super important for your strategy, but I assume that there will be nuggets of information here and there yes. that you are constantly collecting. So do they live in somewhere? Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. So we, we have a, um, like, like many scale up startups these days, we work with, uh, uh here, Google workspace. And, um, so ba basically it's super easy to make information and, and data accessible throughout the company. So there's a, mm -hmm. uh, there are shared drives that kind of host all this information. And we also actively encourage not just our product managers or people kind of working on strategic questions to regularly check these things out. So we also, also our engineers and our designers read uh, market reports sometimes and they understand these things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
But do, do, do you distill the kind of the, the, say the, the nuggets of information that are relevant to, to you? So I'm, I'm assuming, what I'm trying to get to is, as a product manager, I'm constantly reading this information. But yeah. uh, I, of course, I can just kind of download the report and put it in our drive. But uh, but I come up with, okay, this is the piece of the report that is important for, for us. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm trying to get to is do, do these sort of kind of uh, insights or decision points or whatever, how you call it, uh, do you summarize them somewhere or is more like uh, hey, we are building this share understanding by being exposed to, to this information? Um, it depends. So yes, sometimes we do that for very particular, uh, for very particular use cases. So let's say, for example, what we do, that's kind of <clears throat> the, the, the lowest level strategic asset that we produce, I would say, is what we call an, uh, an NPI uh, analysis, uh, new, new product introduction analysis. So okay. that's, that's typically something we do on the, on the hardware side. Before we, uh, before we introduce a new piece of hardware, a new uh, device that needs to live in that ecosystem, there's quite a big analysis on uh, competitors on uh, on relevant market statistics and market trends then we deep dive into all these uh, these sources and extract the relevant statistics and uh, yeah build, build our own model uh, and business case around it and that's i think when when some of them kind of surface as a really nicely uh, as, as a report that everybody can uh, can digest easily but Apart from that, uh, we, we just encourage to kind of continuously yeah. update themselves. Okay, perfect, perfect, got it. Um, okay, so I think that we we cover how you create your your target your target picture, which is kind of by by understanding these trends. Mm-hmm. Um, who would you say? I was going to say collaborate, but more mostly or, or owns or, or defines this target picture. So because you mentioned this interaction between corporate strategy and product strategy, I guess that the how the, the world will look like in three years is more of a shared understanding. So I guess that is kind of more on the corporate side. Mm-hmm. So who participates in these uh, discussions or how who, who owns the kind of final definition of what we believe in? Yeah. <clears throat> so in, in our case, that is really an executive management task so um this will this will be typically heavily be driven by by our founders uh predominantly by by one of them uh, the the kind of one is more technically leaning or our cto one is more uh market and strategy leaning or cpo uh christian and um they they will drive this uh but of course we uh, we also have a, a ceo um they they hired him, I think, four or five years ago. He, he joined the company as an experienced executive to kind of yeah, scale and drive the ship. And uh, in this, um, yeah, in this executive management team, they they are in the end responsible for saying, okay, this is what we believe in. Yeah, this is the, mm-hmm. the north star that we are, yeah. are running towards. Perfect. Okay, got it. Um, so we have the definition, and then you mentioned the next step maybe is doing the where we are today. Is that uh... exactly? Yeah, exactly. So, um, just to give you an example, right? So we, if we say, hey, in in three years' time, 
the, the heating landscape will be dominated by uh, heat pumps. It, it probably won't, yeah, that it's not going that quickly, but let's just, <laughs> for the sake of the argument, assume that. But then we look at today, hey, okay, today still most people are using fossil fuel driven gas boilers, right? Yeah. So doesn't make sense to <clears throat> flip the switch today and uh, focus all our efforts and all our energy and all our products on uh, on electric heating. Yeah, then we probably would be out of business soon and our core bread and butter business, which yeah, uh, is still relying on these systems would not work anymore. So that's important to uh, to have that understanding. Yeah. So what what drives our revenue and our um, uh, our business today? Um, and then we also need to understand what do we need what do we need to get good at in three years? What what do we have to be good at in three years? Are we already good at this today? Uh, in certain areas, yes. So there are some strengths that we can leverage. In other areas, not at all. We have to build this up from scratch. So how will we do this? Also here, I think company strategy, product strategy blur a little bit because uh, that's. I think this kind of capability gap is maybe not something that you would typically find in a product strategy, but uh, you can apply. You can then apply it to uh, your product world because. Hey, um, if you let's say if you want to build a, a, a heating algorithm that works for a heat pump, it's clear that you have to do certain things uh, on the product side very differently. Mm -hmm. yeah? And yeah. that's where your innovation then has to happen. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Uh, but maybe complementing uh, the, I'm trying to get to the how do we find these uh, kind of. Uh, Sure, we call it gaps because maybe not mm -hmm. all of them are gaps, but maybe kind of uh, the, the areas of investment or the things that we need to do. Yeah. So, uh, what are the the, the the ways to explore this this uh, space? You mean how how do we find out what we are? <laughs> how do we find the the unknown unknowns, so to say? So what we are not yet good at. <laughs> interesting way to put it, but I, because I don't want to focus necessarily on the gaps, but. I assume that maybe going back to what you were saying is kind of this is the situation we are today, which kind of tells us what, what we're going to do. So this, what I would call diagnosis, I want to put uh, kind of bias you with my words, but this diagnosis, uh, how how is it done? <clears throat> yeah, good question. I think that's actually not overly formalized, uh, to be honest. I think also, don't forget, we are we are not that big corporate ship yet, yeah. right? So I think both for corporate strategy and for, for product strategy, you can fit all people that, that need to come together to create that in, into one room. Yeah. yeah. And also, <clears throat> I think we, we have a pretty clear and good intuitive understanding of where our uh, strengths currently are and where we lack capabilities that we need to build up. If you have built that big of a domain knowledge and domain expertise in, let's say, the heating uh, space as we did over the last years, it's just obvious <laughs> what uh, where, where we are still lacking behind. Yeah, perfect. But maybe then uh, let, let fast forward to, to the end when we are writing this thing, this thing out is, uh, um, or we, we can go back to this one year ago when you are doing it. Mm -hmm. um, is this something that uh, will be, as you were saying, hey, we sit in the room, we say, 
this uh, let's kind of write down the things that we the capabilities we need to build or is there anything behind that that i don't know i don't know maybe marketing will say hey we're lacking this channel and, and product will say we're lacking this capability or, or how do you kind of collect this this input <laughs> overall i would say uh through many 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 coffee breaks with uh, the relevant people um in the company so i think there is no there, there is no magic um magic workshop uh, framework that that we successfully applied that i could share here now right so it's really that's yeah, fine no, no, no that's perfect i mean i i don't like to over engineer it either so i was uh, more kind of curious about how you did yeah so coffee chats are perfect but i think <laughs> what is still important to to point out is that uh, you have to have them right you have to speak yeah. uh marketing has a relevant opinion the sales team has a relevant opinion actually um it's not it's not great input but it's also it helps I mean, relationship between product management and sales, I think, is kind of there's a natural friction in every in every company. Maybe that's even even healthy sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. But having a strategy, a product strategy that you have uh, maybe not co-created, but at least kind of uh, co somehow collaborated on and have alignment on, that helps tremendously to um, to have better discussions and alignment with sales going forward because. And I also credit to our sales team uh, uh, here that I hear them, I hear our head of sales regularly making the argument, no, that's not an opportunity we're going to pursue. Uh, that's not uh, that's not in line with our product strategy. We're not going to do this. Well, that I'm happy when I, when I hear this. Exactly, <laughs> applause. Um, so yeah, they, they should be involved. And uh, our marketing team, for example, they own our brand strategy. So, of course, the, the product propositions we develop, they have to be, as they call it, on brand uh, in the end. They mm -hmm. cannot conflict with our brand because our brand is a, especially also for us, it's a super, uh, uh, super important and valuable asset for the company uh, that yeah. we wanna, don't want to endanger. And maybe now that we are dig digging into this space, um, when you were sitting down one year ago creating this, it was purposefully creating a product strategy or was coming up and say, hey, let's put the, the, the company strategy in place and then the, the product strategy spawned off out of it? Or how do you decide to that you even need to artifacts? Out there? Mm -hmm. um, no, it was really a purposeful decision to write down a a dedicated product strategy. We, we um, around the same time, driven by an uh, kind of, so on on the on the company level, we made a significant strategic shift um, a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago. We acquired a um, an energy company. So that's I, I didn't uh, talk about this in the introduction, but. So we are not just an, uh, an IoT uh, company anymore. We also are a, a utility and energy provider now. So okay. you can buy a, uh, an electricity tariff from, from Tado or it's still running on, under this, this other brand that we acquired. Anyways, so <clears throat> that triggered lots of rethinking on the, on the company strategy level. And then there were also um, lots of documentation and uh, kind of strategic assets produced and that gave us a, a great starting point and great input for product strategy. But that, of course, then 
followed logically because hey now we have now we have acquired this this new asset and we have this new company strategy just building smart thermostats for the for the rest of our lives that uh, that doesn't work anymore right we we need to respond to that we need to adjust um, hence uh, this process was kicked off Okay, interesting. Um, so I guess the, the the need was also clear for the product strategy. Um, yeah, okay, we can we can consider that. So th maybe the next thing I was kind of thinking of going back to to the process we were discussing is, okay, we having this diagnosis, but uh, probably there are more things in there of, or maybe just to use your words, we need to focus, right? We need to say to yes to some things and we no to the rest. So. How was the process of selecting the areas you will focus on? Yeah, <clears throat> so um, I think there you can really apply some some good old-fashioned uh, company strategy or like just corporate strategy uh, tools. Yeah, and I think there are there are really good good frameworks uh, around this. Um, I don't know, like uh, BCG matrix uh, to uh, I, I love uh, I love two two by two matrix uh, matrices. What, what's the English plural for that? Um, yeah, I, I really like those. Uh, also in product management, effort impact mat uh, matrix, uh, one of my favorites. So mm -hmm. here you basically do what's uh, what's in the in the upper right corner, right? So you you have <laughs> um, you think about what is where are you good at? Where do you have a, a strong right to win? Um, yeah. What is an attractive customer segment or market segment? And then you can, um, if you have defined this, uh, then you think about, then you know where to play. Yeah. And then you can think about, okay, how to win in that segment. What customer problems do we have to solve to uh, win over the people in that segment? Yeah. But mm -hmm. in the end, um, of course, everybody has opinions, and you can imagine in a, in a company that size, yeah, with founders still on board, uh, also a strong CEO, very strong opinions sometimes. But in the end, everybody wants um, wants to make a, a the right decision, and this is when you bring bring data in, and uh, data can be um, ambiguous, but it typically doesn't lie. Yeah, so that's it's hard to argue against that. Uh, which is why these types of decisions are really in the end uh, made on, on data and that means like on a, on a solid business case. Perfect, good. Um, one thing about this uh, kind of the, the so you mentioned heavily the how to how to win framework mm -hmm. and you have this uh, need for I would call it differentiation but maybe kind of uh, I'll write you, you mentioned maybe it's better to say uh, where can we win? So, for, in, in the competing landscape that you are playing with, um, is more like uh, selecting the size of the opportunity, or more about hey, these are the things that we can kind of the, the advantages we can defend, and this is how we are selecting. It's a combination, right? So, if if a if the size of, a, of an opportunity is is really small, but you're really good at it, then it's still might not make mm -hmm. sense to pursue it and, and vice versa, right? The, the opposite is also true. So I think you need to find kind of the sweet spots between or the, the, the combination between those um, 
where you can say, hey, where where is the what's the given our given our capabilities and strengths, um, what is the biggest value that we can capture? And that is kind of the the multiplication um, uh, the, yeah. of the, the product of these two things. Yeah. 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 Got it. Very, very good. And one last question around data that you mentioned is maybe, I mean, you, you said that it can be ambiguous, but maybe just to, to, if you have an example or something we can rely on. Um, when we are saying, hey, we are strong or weak in this area, mm -hmm. can be a bit fuzzy to define. Can can be, as you said, maybe opinionated <laughs> argumentation. So how, how do you kind of go through these, uh, these discussions or bring data to, to these sort of questions? Yeah. That's a good question. Um, I think to be really honest, uh, I think this is also where where your entrepreneurial risk at some point kicks in. Yeah, this is this is the entrepreneurial bet that you make at some point that you think, hey, given given the people that work here, given our track record in the past and how successful we've been with this type of products or or like initiatives, we just have confidence that we can pull this off, that we can also win in, in this area. That that sounds and smells like something that we would be good at. Yeah. And yeah. of course, if if you have zero uh, zero indicators or data to back that up, then you sh maybe you should better uh, sober up and not do this. But um, as you said, right, it's typically it's ambiguous. And then I think, it, yeah, that's, a leap of faith and a judgment call that you make in yeah. this case. Yeah, and maybe this is where I think make it interesting with IoT because uh, in normal scenario, you say, hey, this is my strategic bet, and then you go, you test the hypothesis, you can maybe run somewhat of a, uh, say, cheap experiment, and you kind of get some more data. In the IoT world, would you say the same is true? I assume that the kind of getting kind of the first results is a bit harder because you need to actually build this product in full. Um, so how have you experienced that? Uh, yes. So in principle, you're you're exactly right. It's it's two worlds. Also in, in development and the whole discovery process, uh, same principles but very different boundary conditions. So in in hardware, you have um, much fewer degrees of freedom. Yeah. Because at some point there is a point of no return. And that's when you start mass production and uh, the factory churns out like millions of devices, then you cannot go back. You have still a little bit of wiggle room on the firmware side of things that you can update over the air, especially in IoT. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the, the plastic box is, is uh, then out on the shelves yeah? and that's it. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but that said, there are still ways and we also, uh, we, we try to kind of use innovative methods as, as much as we can to still remain in agile world as long as you can before you hit that uh, mass production button. And for example, uh, you can you can 3D print stuff today. Yeah, uh, just, just a random example. You can work with digital prototypes that you can share with people. We had a, just this, this week, we had a fantastic um, product demo by a, one of our product teams that basically they, they had a, a physical prototype put in front of a customer, but then uh, the, the kind of the, the display and stuff that was not yet working. So they 
put an, an iPhone next to this customer and, and where they mocked kind of the, the device display and said, just imagine that is running on this, on this little display and interact with this, with this Figma prototype. And that worked quite nicely. It helped to validate the assumption that we wanted to validate without building the, the final thing. Yeah, and you can pull tricks like that. Okay, so it's about being smart with your discovery, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> and look at, for example, companies like uh, uh, SpaceX. Yeah, they are, they are doing this with orbital uh, rockets yeah, at, mm -hmm. at scale. Yeah. And they are still quickly iterating. Yes, they're also throwing a lot of money on the problem. Um, but yeah, they, they iterate the product and the production process uh, in parallel. It's quite impressive. Yeah, true. Um, okay, then I guess that the final step I have in mind for, for the process is how do you sequence the things you need to do, right? So we, we kind of, we, you tell me how you select the things, but when we were talking about the narrative, we say, Hey, first this, then this and that. So is there uh, any, any, yeah, background for that decision? Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, I think in the end, it's, it's a little bit common sense so but, but i can give you an example to to illustrate what i mean so let's say our um our ultimate customer problem that we want to tackle is um you as a customer think energy is too expensive you cannot afford it you want to save energy yeah um so then we try to break this down into into different problems that we have to solve and when we lay those out then it's sometimes pretty clear what has to come first and what has to come second. And in this case, mm. we think that just two out of the many problems that we think we need to tackle is uh, we need to make it more transparent. Um, so basically the assumption is you don't save because you don't understand how your behavior, like heating behavior at home, affects costs. So just to give you an example, do you know how much a hot shower costs you? No, I have no idea. I feel totally representative of what you said. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You probably don't, most people don't even know. I mean, everybody listening to this can ask themselves, do I know how much I spent on heating last year in total? Like just roughly. Chances <laughs> are you just don't know. And that uh, don't be embarrassed. Yeah. Nobody does. So um, and opening that black box, I, we think that is mm. the, the first step. Yeah. And only then, then the next problem to tackle is, okay, now that you understand that, how can we help you uh, change your behavior? So how can we give you easy and levers to pull to, to change that, right? And maybe some of those are then not for you. Uh, some of them are, uh, are more useful, um, but uh, yeah, start with transparency and then, um, uh, at the behavioral, the behavioral changes later. Okay, Dominic, this has been wonderful. You gave me all the walkthrough. So I will just throw you my usual closing question, which is what I'm not asking. What's some maybe interesting learning about strategy that you have along the way that I didn't cover in my questions? <laughs> ah, that's a good question. Um, so <clears throat> I think what I find particular particularly interesting or um, yeah, maybe interesting to share for your listeners in IoT is that we, I think we had touched on, on it a little bit, yeah, but the, these 
different worlds of, of software and, and hardware that move at completely different paces also have way different planning uh, horizons. Getting those on, um, like how to get those on the same page, uh, I think that's quite interesting and tricky. And have we completely solved this problem? Uh, no, but I think we, we have found ways that work well, well enough for us uh, in the mix of um, how we set up our organization, how these two worlds cooperate or collaborate uh, with each other on a day-to-day -day basis um, through things like uh, a joint OKR process, a, uh, like joint weekly tactical meetings where, where everybody meets and aligns um, through a kind of creating a, a one shared product development organization that everybody is part of, not two different worlds that have an interface, no, like we are one development organization and then everybody goes back to their teams. Um, but also in, in strategy, that's not, not an easy feat uh, because yeah, one thing you need to kind of plan two years in, in advance and the other uh, things you can change on a, on a two week basis. So that's interesting. Yeah. So if you ever, if you're interested to work in such an environment, you, you know where to find me hopefully. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, and maybe that's a, a, a good segue to a typical closing. It's also has been wonderful. Thanks for being so so, so open and share all this negative information with us. Where can people find you, or any message that you want uh, to point the audience to? Um, yeah, I think the easiest is LinkedIn. So uh, LinkedIn.com/slash Dominic minus pushing Dominic with a K. Oh, that's an easy one. Um, so yeah, any closing remarks or if not, I really appreciate all the, the things that you shared today with us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me uh, today. Nacho was was a pleasure uh, talking to you. And um, yeah, it's interesting to, to listen to your episodes because uh, a lot of the things that are being discussed there really resonate uh, with me, especially I think <clears throat> focus, like, uh, Strategy is all about focus and about not saying yes to things, but saying no to the million other things uh, that you are not doing, uh, that you're deciding against. And I, I heard this over and over again in your podcast. <laughs> we have the same, the same issues. We face the same challenges, right? Okay, Dominic, thank you so much and uh, talk soon. Talk soon. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of 100 Product Strategies, the podcast by Product Direction. You can also follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram to get access to free weekly content that helps product people upgrade their skills and become more successful. You can access more material, promotional trainings, and be notified of every episode of the show with Product Direction's weekly newsletter. Join thousands of product leaders by registering in productdirection.co.